Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. And God bless you. You may be seated. This morning I've asked my nephew to be able to come and open up the Word of God to us. He was in and he did the wedding for my other nephew. And... Uh, we're glad to be able to have him. He's a campus pastor out in Las Vegas with uh, Southern Hills uh, Baptist Church. And uh, him and Lisa have been out there. How, how long have you been out there, Lisa? Five years? Five years? All right, good, almost five years. And so they came back in for a wedding, and I have asked him to preach. So let's give Blake a warm welcome and uh, open up our word of God. God bless you, brother. All right, so, you know, it's a job of a special speaker to get you out early. You know that? Okay? So we're, we're looking at getting out early and getting to, to lunch on time. Can you be excited about that today? Yeah? Sunday is church day, but it's also a day to get good food, right? So we're going to get you out on time. That's one of the jobs of a guest pastor. Um, another job of the guest pastor is just to pour love and support and rapport into the ministry that he's teaching at in the day he's coming. So one of the most interesting things about this place is it holds a special place in my heart and in my wife's heart. This is where we got saved in 1998, just in that gym. Uh, Easter Sunday is where I accepted Jesus. I was baptized up there in 2002. My uncle married me here with my grandpa in 2000, and wow, I'm gonna get this date wrong, hun. 2000 and, <laughs> 15. Um, <laughs> 2015, we're married right up here. And it holds a special place in my heart. And Mrs. Smith came up to me today and she said, you know, you're just amongst family. And you know, that there's some truth to that and that's exciting. But you know what's even more exciting is when you see your family expanding. So, so I see a lot of faces that I would consider family. And that's an incredible thing. But what's even more incredible is I see faces that wouldn't consider me family, that don't know me from Adam. That means the church is growing. We've been out of South Jersey for almost 12 years now. It doesn't seem, it just seems like yesterday that we were here and worshiping with you. But over those 12 years, I see faces and lives that were changed. Baptisms taking place, a baptism Sunday next week, right here. Souls that were one for Williamstown, for Christ, in Williamstown. So yeah, we're amongst family and it's exciting to be able to be here and talk to you about Jesus, but it's so much more exciting to see the faces that I didn't recognize. Met, met couples over the weekend as we were performing Jared's wedding that had no idea they were, they were here in this church. I said, man, this church kind of got cool after I left. Could you believe that? What happened? I mean, I thought I was bringing it, but apparently I had to leave and, and then you guys started getting, so I was like, okay, well, maybe the problem was me, right? If everybody has a problem with you, 
you look around, it's probably you, right? So I looked around, and I said, man, this place is awesome now. It must not have been me. Um, but I am. I'm excited to share, share God's word with you today, share a message that I shared with our church um, just a few weeks ago as we've been working our way through the book of Ephesians. So I ask you and invite you to stand with me as we read God's word together. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be in Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, and that would start in verse 15. So I will read aloud here. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints... Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention you in my prayers that, Jesus, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints." And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which has come, and hath put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for your goodness, and we know that you are good to us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here at Open Bible today, Lord. And I do pray that you empty me of my words and only allow your words to permeate the hearts of your people. In a crowd this size, Lord, I would assume there's both the sinner and the saint. So for the saints today, Lord, I do pray that their hearts are, are stirred as we hear a gospel message that moves the saint forward in the sanctification process, God, that, that we that we submit our will to yours and allow your will to fill us, and we'll thank you for that. Lord, for the person who may not know your name, the, the person that we would label from the outside sinner, Lord, I do pray that today would be their day of salvation as they hear your word possibly for the first time. We love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of the message today is Head in the Sand. Do you ever feel like sometimes, you know, like you're the only one that's enlightened? Maybe a little bit. Maybe in society today, we feel like sometimes I'm the one that's kind of got it. I know it. Like as Christians, right, like I feel like I have the message. I feel like I've been enlightened and given it. And a lot of other people just have their head in their sand. It's not that they don't have the ability to obtain that message, but oftentimes it just seems like, People's heads are in the sand. Am I the only one that feels like we walk around and God's given us the truth of his word? And sometimes you look and you say, how do you, how do you miss it? How do you miss it? Well, Paul, he writes a message here over 2,000 years ago now to the church of Ephesus. And, and he kind of uh, hints to the same purpose. He's saying you are part of the few that have chosen to open your eyes. So he's writing specifically to the Christians that are in Ephesus at this very moment. This is a prayer as we come into uh, Ephesians 1.15. This is a prayer to a church that Paul planted. 
Paul planted it. He spent three years there in Ephesus. You can read about it in Acts 20. In Acts 20, it breaks Paul's heart to have to leave his church in Ephesus. Man, it breaks his heart. The only thing that I can feel and, and, and have some feelings towards there when, when, when we read Paul in Acts 20 is this. When, when we first went to our church at Southern Hills, we spent three years at the main campus. And my lead pastor came to me and said, Blake, we want you to go plan another campus so we can reach this whole city for Jesus. And in Las Vegas, we don't drive. Like, there's nowhere to drive. Like, we have six targets within 15 minutes of us. 17 Walmarts, 45 Chick-fil-A. Like, you don't drive anywhere, okay? So it's really, there's a physical barrier. So we decided we were going to plant multiple campuses. And I'll never forget that bittersweet moment when we sat in our last service at our main campus and we're leaving to go plant across the city. Your heart's excited for the venture of the future and, and what God is going to provide in the future and the souls that you're going to see saved in the future. And Paul feels the same thing. He feels the same thing, but, but he, his heart also aches because that's three years of discipleship. That's three years of people coming to Christ. That's, that's years of him pouring into. Aquila and Priscilla helped him start this church, somebody that he loves. And, and he's leaving. He's leaving. And he writes this book back to the people that he loves in Ephesus. So he walks through the first 14 verses and says, remember, this is your identity. This is your gospel. Remember, all of this is what we talked about. Remember these things. Here is how you identify, not as an Ephesian anymore, but you identify as a Christian. And Jews and Gentiles both, right, we're battling with that a little bit. And he prepares them and calls them to unify. And then he begins this incredible prayer over the Ephesian church. Verse 15, look at it with me if you will. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul prays for his friends in Ephesus. I, I totally understand this part. Does anybody with me know that there is nothing better than seeing spiritual growth in somebody's life? Yeah, I mean, you, this is Sunday school teachers. You can feel this. Small group leaders in the room, Awana club leaders, uh, parents. When you see the spiritual growth happening in the people's lives, there's nothing better. And Paul, as he reflects back, he opens this prayer and he says, I, I remember, I heard, of, I heard of your faith and love to all the saints. I, I can't help but give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. Man, as a pastor, you can feel this. As a minister of God's word, right, we're all called to be ministers to our family, but as a minister of God's word, where you feel this, a couple battling with abuse in our church, now spiritual growth and commitment to Christ and healthy home leaders. Man battling alcoholism, now committed and volunteering to our local church and serves on the deacon board. Look, maybe, maybe, maybe as very religious people, sometimes we can get offended by that a little bit, right? right? That offends me. You should have told me this place is filled with sinners. Well, welcome to church. Some of us were. Uh, all of us were. 
Paul addresses it in the chapter later. He says, some of which, some of which you, you were. And we reflect back, he's reflecting back on the spiritual growth. Drug dealers, prostitutes, blasphemers, racists, and thieves in our church, in your church, that have been changed. And, and Paul, as he begins his prayer, he says, I, I, I can't help but thank God for you. This is a, this is a letter, and I, and I, I picture, and, and picture with me in your mind's eye, right? Paul's sitting there writing his letter, and he, he begins to pray. And names come to mind as, as Paul writes, writes these words. Wow, changed, forgiven, life-altering change happened. And, and as Paul's writing this letter, I can't help but think a tear drops down his eye as he thinks, man, I, I love that church. I, I can't help but be thankful for him. And, and, and he reflects on this because he thinks these are the few that have opened their eyes. These are the few that have decided to see. These are the few that, that have opened their eyes to the truth. And, and then he goes on in the rest of the prayer and he says, so after you open your eyes, what do you, what do you see? I want, I want to pray for specific things that you will see specific things. And this is what Paul does. So first, if you're taking notes, point number one, we see and we know the Father. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. We're going to work through this passage verse by verse together today. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He, he's saying here, I pray that God would continue to open your eyes that you may know the truth. This is what he's saying here. God, I want you to continue to open the eyes of the believer. I want you to continue. And he even says this, follow me, follow me, 17, eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He's saying, I pray that God would continue to enlighten you. I pray that God would continue to open your eyes. I pray this for these people that I love and the natural response that I would seem to get. Hey, at least in Las Vegas, I would assume it's here in Williamstown, is can you really know God? Well, for the Christians in the room, you, you know that answer. Of, of course. Of course. There's three ways that we know God. We know God personally. John 17, 3 says this, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus, whom thou hast sent. We know God personally. We, we call it salvation. Right? We know God personally. We call it salvation. We also know God increasingly. We, we call it sanctification. That your eyes continue to be enlightened? That we continue being forward? The gospel is not a one-time event. The gospel is a continual pursuit. In the book of James, it tells us to work out our own salvation. Why? Because it's a continual pursuit. It's a continual pursuit. It's a continual pursuit. And this is, this is what Paul is praying here. We, that we know God increasingly. We call it sanctification. Philippians 3.10 tells us this. 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made comfortable unto his death. Pastor referenced earlier as we read that beautiful passage in Psalm 34 that if you're on the mountaintop, enjoy it and exalt him. And if you're in the valley, endure it and exalt him. This passage has the same connotation. We identify and we grow with Christ more in his suffering than in his glorification. When we identify with Christ and the inner workings of sanctification begins to flow through us, there's going to be some pain. Look, this is, this is sanctification, okay? Ultimately, God's will will be done. I can promise you that. He's in control. So let me give you a brief illustration, okay? My son, he is the most handsome four-year-old in the world. I'm telling you, he's adorable. He already loves Jesus. At least he says it, and then he asks Jesus to have his heart back sometimes. We're working on it, okay? We're working on it. Um, but I'll tell you what, when it's, when it's bedtime, when it's bedtime, this is sanctification, okay? When it's bedtime, ultimately the Father's will will be done. He will go to bed. It will happen. The process of going to bed will take place. I will bathe him, or Lisa will bathe him. I will get him in his pajamas, right? I will make sure his bed's there. I'll tuck him in. We'll pray together, and I'll shut the door. And during this sanctifying process of bedtime, he can choose to submit to the Father's will and have this very enjoyable He can, he can get his brush or teeth brushed without any blood or anything happening, screaming bloody murder or anything like that. And it can be a very enjoyable, hand-in-hand walking time, Daddy, I love you. But when he has decided on some days that that's the day he wants to see Jesus, the sanctification process will still take place, but it's harder. Right? On some of the days, it's the door shut, it's locked, and it's... Dad, let me out of here! Does anybody ever feel that in the sanctification process? God, let me out of here! Right? It's, it's Liam, Dad! Dad! What? What, son? What? I'm here. I'm here. You know I'm here. You know I'm here. I'm on the other side of the door. I love you. Just, it's bedtime. And so many times we're that four-year-old, right? And we're, Dad, let me out. I... I need to get out of here. He's saying, son, my, my sweet brother, my, my dear sister, I, it's just the sanctification process. My will will ultimately be done. So we know him personally. We, we know him increasingly. We call it sanctification. And we know him perfectly. We call this Glorification. 1 John 3, 2 tells us this. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, 
for we shall see him as he is. Be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Theologically, we call this the beatific vision. Okay, that first time that we, we see God. We see him perfectly when we're glorified. That, that beatific vision. Man, songs in its course have been written about this moment in time. It's a beautiful time. You know, as the, as the Christian in the room, oftentimes it's, it's easy to work past. Well, pastor, yeah, my head's not in the sand. Of course I know God. I've, I've known him. The sanctification process is a process. We won't be able to see him perfectly until we're glorified. Know where we are in this stand. And, and dear brother and sister, if, you're, if you've yet to know the Father, you can know today. So we see and know the Father. But so many choose to know everything but God. They've buried their head in the sand of sports, entertainment, politics, business. None of, none of these are bad, right? But, but they're often out of place. Maybe the priorities just aren't sitting right. So to illustrate this, let me, let me bring my, my bucket up here. I'm, I'm sure most of you who have saw, saw me carry it up have been wondering, okay, when, when is he going to get to this, okay? So this jar is going to be your life, okay? And this is what we're going to do here. This is going to be life stuff. Life stuff. So I got to have, you know, my, my Netflix, got to binge. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. I know you know what I'm talking about. Got to have my Amazon Prime. Disney Plus came out, so I got to get that too, right? That's just entertainment. Maybe cable. We'll hit cable in there. Okay. Sorry, Pastor, I'm getting your stage dirty. It's okay. We'll have Richard clean it up, right? <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, I got to have... Uh, well, I got to have my fills, right? So I, I put my fills in the, in the jar. I got to have, um, have the eagles, you know, go birds. I got to have, uh, have the sixers because they're in first place in the east. That's what I'm talking about. I got uh, to have the flyers. We don't need to talk about them this season, okay? All right. Nobody actually cares about the Philadelphia Union, so I won't even put them in there. Okay, um, then, uh, you know, I got to watch some, some sort of news, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, whatever your addiction of vice is, got to put that in there, right? And that's just, that's just news, entertainment, and sports, right? Then I got to have, I got to eat sometimes, I got to eat. Maybe you're an important person and, you know, you only can get six hours of sleep, so you got to get six hours of sleep in there. And then, then I got to spend some family time, maybe, if I can fit it in there. <clears throat> and then a guy like me comes up and says, no God. No God. Prioritize. No God. It was Easter a few weeks ago, so we'll use this as representation, okay? And, and I, I don't have any space in my, my jar because I filled it up with things that are not necessarily bad, but they're not priority. And, and then, the, then the preacher continues and he says, 
you know, after, after your personal relationship with God, you got to have time for your, you got to have time for your family. Okay. I'll just put it on the side. I'll, I'll make sure I get those emptied. And, and then, you know, I got to, I mean, we should work hard. So I got to make some time for advancing myself at work. And then God tells us to be faithful with what he's given us and be faithful to share. So I got to minister somewhere and these big priorities are out of line. You know, or we could, or we could set this jar and have that represent our life and we could take God and have him there and could take our family in there and take our job and advancement and put it there and then take ministry, serving the church and put it in there and you know, what do you, what do you know? I actually have some time to binge. I mean, Sixers are doing well. I can watch the Sixers game and I can play and I can video game a little bit if I wanted to and Seems like I have a lot more space to prioritize my issues. I fear as a church, I can speak to the global church, okay? I, I fear as a church, we've put our distractions ahead of us knowing God. And, and, and in those times, we feel, Pastor, I know it's a priority, and I just don't have space. Friend, you say you're doing it. I, I'm going to make time. I'm going to make time. You make time for what you care about. I'm going to do it. I, I promise I'm going to get my priorities right. I'm going to be faithful to church. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to put my kids before everybody else. And then, it's, but I, I, have to, I have to do this, and you do it sometimes in the name of family if we're fair. And friend, it's not in the name of your family. It's selfishness because we all struggle with it. We must know and, and, and see the Father. Secondly, we must see and know the future. Follow along with me, Ephesians 1:18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. This is so wonderful because this passage just screams to us, you're not the one enlightening your eyes, God is. God lets you see. And he says that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the, be able, the, be, the ability to see where this all is going, to where he has called you. We see and know God, but we also see and know the future. For the Christian, this is, this is discipleship, service, reward, then heaven. This is found over and over and over again in the parables of Jesus. Discipleship, service, reward, heaven. Why is it that we can walk up to Christians? You have them in our church. We do too. And see such joy in speaking to Christians in suffering. It's not, it's not just the how you doing. Well, God is good. No, it's authentic joy. 
in suffering? Why can I have authentic hope in tragedy? Because we know the future. We know how it's ending. The story closes and God is the victor. We know glorification is coming and because we know the future, we can have hope. When I was writing this message, I couldn't help but think of the old hymn, Because He Lives. As it continues, right, it says, Because I know He holds the future, and life is worth the living just because He lives. That's a powerful message, but it's rooted in God's Word. It's rooted in God's word. Have you ever wondered when Paul speaks to another city church, he says these words. He says, let your moderation or reasonableness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. It says, be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered why Paul can write that to another city church in Philippi and expect them to actually come through on that? It's because they know the future. A Philippian peace is obtained by knowing that we are fully satisfied in Christ. You see, the problem with peace not coming is because we get anxious with all of these things. And we don't focus on these things. So the anxiety and the stress and the frustration come when we focus on these things and we don't have time for these things. So we trust God with our souls, but we don't trust God with our priorities. And because of that, the hope is gone. You know, it used to be in the church that we, would, we, we struggled in different areas. Now, I truly believe the American church struggles in two ways. They struggle with comfort and control. If we are comfortable, then we're satisfied. Or if we can be, be in control, we're okay. Maybe I'm the only one in all of the American church that struggles with comfort and control. But I doubt that to be true. You know, oftentimes we believe that control brings comfort. When the Bible tells us Jesus plus nothing is everything. And I... And I find in these passages when I struggle with knowing and saying, God, please give me Philippian peace. And he's saying, Blake, I want to give you peace, but you're full because you've tried to grab it all. Oftentimes when I pray, Lord, give me surety. And he says, Blake, I can't because your hands are full. You won't let go. God, I just want to unify. Well, what are you letting go of so that you can embrace? God, God I, just, I, I really want to see this move forward. Then, then give it up to him. 
And so many times we, we struggle with gaining the Philippian peace that he promises because we are so addicted to control and comfort. We have to have it. Just name the vice that falls in between those things. So we see in this passage that Paul prays for this Ephesian church that he loves. Guys, I want you to know God. I want you to continue to know God. I want you to know that we know and see the future. But lastly, and, and dare I say most importantly, we see and know the power Ephesians 1, 19, I also pray that you'll understand. This is kind of how he's coming into this. If you remember, this is almost one big sentence, okay? So we just got to keep remembering those thoughts. So this really could be um, tagged on to Ephesians 19. I, I also pray that you understand. And what is the exceeding greatness of power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? He's saying, plug into the power. Plug into the power. I think sometimes as Christians, right, we have the vacuum and we're just vacuuming this really nice rug that I got all dirty, right? We're just vacuuming it and we're not plugging in the vacuum. We just keep trying to do things in our own strength and power when we have the, the power source right behind it. Just sometimes we fear, but I don't, I don't know what that power is coming. I can't tell you what's coming out of the outlet, but I know when I plug into it, the vacuum's powerful. He says, plug into the power. Plug into the power. Ephesians 1.20, he begins describing what kind of power that you're plugging into. Isn't this incredible? He says, the power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. The power that raised him from the dead. Dunamis is the Greek word here. Dunamis. Do you know what the English word that we get from that? Is dynamite. Dynamite power. The power that raised him from the dead. Dynamite power. We have resurrection power running through the veins of those who believe. And we sit here and we just vacuum and not plug into it. The power that raised him from the dead. Look at this illustration. The, the, oh man, the Jews would have gone crazy over this. When Paul says the power that raised him from the dead, this would have spoken to the Gentiles, but this would have spoken more to the Jews and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. In Hebrews, Jesus calls himself our high priest. Okay, and this is a reference. This is a reference Paul is using here. It's absolutely incredible because in the temple, there would be no place to seat because the job of the high priest was never done. So there was nowhere to sit, okay, in the temple. So when Paul says, and placed him at the right hand of God, and he says, Jesus sat down, he's saying, his work is done. You have access to it. Just take it. It's done. It's completed. When Jesus sits in the chair next to the Father, it's, it's symbolizing this beautiful, incredible bringing to Christ and saying, it's finished. To tell us die. It's done. And, and this is what Paul is saying. He said, you have a power that's complete, that's done, that's finished. Plug into it. Access it. The resurrection power. 
That's what he's telling them. So he, I love, I love how God gives us this word through the apostle to the Gentiles, but never forgets his children and the Jews as he throws this double illustration in verse 20. Absolutely incredible. Continuing in verse 21, another type of power. The power that is above principality and power and might and dominion. He uses the word dominion, I believe, specifically here because when he gave the enemy dominion over the world, he's saying, Jesus conquered that. Remember the verse just before me. Jesus has now power over the dominion. It's a beautiful, beautiful word phrasing that Paul uses. He says, you have access to the power that defeated Satan. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that in that which is to come. He's saying, you have the power that established the throne. We have access to the power that established the throne. He continues in Ephesians 22 and 23. The power that put and hath put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. You know, we, we talked about a couple different types of power, but I have to be honest with you. The, this last phrase, as Paul's describing the power, is my absolute favorite. You know what he's saying here? He says, you have power to the access or you have access to the power that fills in all the gaps. Man, do we have any non-perfect people here? Yeah, a few. Assume so. I've heard about some of you, okay? I know there's some unperfect people in the room, all right? Um, What Paul describes here, he says that he has the power that fills in all the gaps. I love that last phrase. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The power that completes me. That fills in all the gaps. This incredible, overwhelming power. What what, what is then this saying? Say, Pastor, how is this applicable? Let's get real honest then together today. Look, if you don't like me, I won't be here next week. So I might as well be honest with you, right? It says, let's, let's modernize it. The, the power to love the unlovable. You have an un, don't raise your hands. You may be in the room. Do you have an unlovable coworker? Maybe an unlovable family member? Do you have somebody that's unlovable in your life? The power to have joy in the midst of tragedy that we talked about? peace in the midst of a storm. How about the power of patience? Parents, do we need the power of patience sometimes? Just a little bit. Gentleness? (laughs) When that's the last thing you want to be? Faith. What does the Bible tell us? Help my unbelief. Have we humbled ourselves and accessed the power to ask God for more faith? I've been saved for a long time. 
Yeah, me too. I studied Jesus for a living. Sometimes I have to get on my knees and say, God, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Power to have self-control when you want to lose it. Too many have their head in the sand and never access the power of God. The reason many never access the power of the Father is because they seldom prioritize the Father. And the reason many never access the power of hope is because they rarely focus on the future. As we close, I'd like all heads bowed, all eyes closed with no one looking around. And to the sinner, I'll, I'll ask first, it's, maybe you're saying, Pastor Blake, I, I have no idea who this Jesus is you keep referencing, <laughs> but he sounds incredible, and I'd like to get to know him. Well, my, my sweet brother, my dear sister, what, what I'd tell you is that you can, and this is the way we do so. We, we first acknowledge that we've done wrong, right? We can all do that. We secondly, we believe. Well, what do I believe in? I, I believe that there is this Jesus who came and lived a life that I couldn't live, that died for sinners just like me and you, and was raised again the third day. And then, then what I do, Pastor, I call, I call on him to be my savior. In a moment, I'll, I'll lead in a prayer and I would encourage you, if you've never taken that step today, to follow after me. There's nothing special in those words. The book of Romans tells us it's with belief that we find salvation, and I'll walk you through an exercise in belief. But to the Christian today, to the saint, I would call you to make a twofold decision. Maybe you're in the room and say, I need to prioritize the Father. I'm struggling with that comfort and control that you referenced. Or maybe I need to focus on the future because, man, am I struggling with hope? I'm not going to have anyone raise their hands. I'm going to lead you in that prayer, and then we'll close. If you're the sinner in the room, I, I, I'd pray that or I'd ask you to follow after me and say, "Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. I'm asking you to save me today, Lord." <clears throat> I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that your son died on the cross for me. For the saint in the room, there's a, there's a prayer as well. My prayer for you is this. Lord, help the people of this incredible church. Or if there's an area that they need to prioritize the Father, or an area to where we need to focus on the future, permeate our hearts even now. We love you. Allow us and help us to love you more. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine. What other religions don't tell you about the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do
do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.